Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Luckmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delve into life, death, and everything betwixt between and beyond. Between and beyond. Between and beyond. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Whitmuller. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening this evening. I think you're going to find this show rather rousing and exciting and interesting and a little bit different. Uh, my name is Hi C, and as you heard, this is the Amethyst Oracle, and I will be joined momentarily by my co-host, Charlie Harrington. Uh, while we wait for him to get connected in, I just want to remind you, A, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theamethystoracle. Uh, you can always listen to shows after they have aired anytime on Blog Talk Radio. Um, they are archived there for listening or downloading. And you can also find them on iTunes. Just do a quick search either for Firefly Willows Live or for the Amethyst Historical. And you can either listen, download, or subscribe to the podcast there if you would like to keep up on all of our shows. There are seven or eight shows under the Firefly Willows Live channel, and they will all show up there so you can get a broad sampling of of all the different shows that we have to offer. Um, we will be offering your chance to get a reading a little bit later in the show. So if you want to get into the queue in order to do that, you can call 646-716-5510 or you can Skype in from the show page. And I think you press one, it will prompt you to press one when you dial in, and that will uh, give us a little indication in the studio that you are kind of like raising your hand in order for us to come to you when we come to that portion of the show. Uh, I'm sure you're going to have a bit of fun with our show tonight. We've been extremely fortunate to snag two exclusive interviews, uh, one with Lon Milo Duquette, who is an, an emperor a demigod in the musical world, in the tarot world, in the magical world. And so I'm sure that you will find that quite enlivening and fascinating. And then we also have snagged quite the scoop. We will be having an interview with the devil. And by the devil, I am not meaning a euphemism. I am not using somebody's little nickname. I mean the devil himself. It was well, I won't have I, I I'd rather not say what we had to sell in order to get him to come onto this show, but we have been very fortunate to be able to have him there uh and willing to make an appearance, if you will. So with that said, I'm going to go ahead and bring in my co host, Charlie, and say hello and welcome, Charlie Harrington. 
man, what we had to sell to get that interview. I mean, we were cheap already. <laughs> I know. And I, we really, I, well, uh, you know, it, it wasn't just one corner. Let me just tell you. <laughs> well, I'm really looking forward to today's uh, show, not just because of that one, but Lon Miley Duquette, the Lon Miley Duquette, sometimes referred to as Uncle Lon. <laughs> very, I think very he's thrilled. also a rabbi. Uh, yeah, Rabbi Ben Clifford Ben Lamed. It took me a while to get that one figured out when I was reading the Chicken Kabbalah. <laughs> um, read the Chicken Kabbalah if you haven't read the Chicken Kabbalah. But um, uh, Lon is a visionary and hilarious, so we, we we're gonna have a run for our money in the uh, the jokes department. <laughs> Excellent. But it'll, it'll be a nice uh, antidote, perhaps, to to our other guest. Yes, who might be a bit of a downer for some. <laughs> but now uh, well, it's a special time of the year, I see, uh, don't you think? It is. And I do just want to mention that, no. of course, this is one of the reasons why we were able to snag this interview with the devil, because of the time of year. But we've also already lined up. So we have Halloween on the 31st. Mm-hmm. Then we have November 1st, which is Dias de los Muertos, mm-hmm. and the Day of the Dead, for people that might not know what that meant. Um, and so on our next show in November, people will also want to be tuning in because we also will be having an interview with Death herself. I mean, she so, is busy year-round, really. There's uh, not really a slow season for her. Uh, and and especially right now, she's quite busy, I'm just saying. Oh, it's true. If we all wandered over, appearances we wandered things. over to another continent. Yeah, right now she's extremely busy. <laughs> oh, anyway, um, so I just wanted to mention that to keep people intrigued and let them know that not only are we talking to the devil this month, but we'll also be talking to death next month. So they might want to tune in for that as well. You know, little insight into that can always never be good. Always never. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway, you're possessed. Is this so one now, of your favorite times of year? It is my one of my very favorite times of the year. And in my tarot world, this means that my box of dark decks <laughs> gets opened up and I get to play with all of the macabre and sinister tarot decks out there. Um, and I, I have a number of them. But do you, do you have a favorite dark deck? <laughs> dark deck. Well... I have to say, and, and this is because it's something that I'm also a fan of outside of Tarot as well, um, one one deck that I really like is the Necronomicon deck. Um, mm. But that's because I tend to be a Lovecraft fan anyway, so the fact that it incorporates all of that is quite nice. Um, there are a couple of other decks that I use that I don't necessarily think of as dark, although I think some people would. Um and so I just thought I would mention them because I also really like them. One is the Crow's Magic deck. And while it's not scary dark, it does kind of often, people have kind of a reaction to it as being a little bit dark just because of the imagery and, and the way that sometimes the symbolism of crows and their perhaps they, they, they've they gotten a bit slighted in their media portrayal in some ways. Um, and then there's also a deck, now it's not Tarot, but it's called the Konsari cards, K-O-N-X-A-R-I cards. Mm-hmm. And they are it's actually a deck that is used for ghost hunting and for spirit communication very specifically. So in that sense, it's perfect for this season. 
Um, mm-hmm. And for some people, that would be scary, just like they get scared if there's a seance or scared of Ouija boards or something like Which that. Which is good. Fear is it, good. I think it is. Um, <laughs> and But I think that fear at least keeps people respectful of those things. Um, but this deck is really, really great and really interesting to use uh, if you want to try to connect with, talk to the other side in some way. Um, it can certainly bring some interesting things through or have some interesting experiences if you're using them by candlelight only in a dark room. So I, I would encourage people to check that deck out as well. And it's Konsari, K-O-N-X-A-R-I cards. I, I'm assuming I'm saying that right. I can't say for sure. But, um, I think so. But, I really think so. so. Yeah, so so that and the Crow's Magic and then the Necronomicon, I think, are kind of my favorite decks for this time of year. Excellent. And you? I, I you know, I I do like that that uh, Necronomicon tarot. It's it is fun, but um, and I and I've been getting into Lovecraft as well. But I love, it's not dark, but the Halloween tarot. So if you if you if you like this time of year and you don't want something spooky or terrifying to read Divine Your Future with, which you know makes sense. <laughs> at a very practical level, uh, the Halloween tarot—it's kind of got that sort of Tim Burton-esque, sort of charming uh, view of the world, um, and it, you know the, the suits are bats, ghosts, pumpkins, and imps. You know, so it, it's it's a playful kind of dark. So that one makes the rounds quite a bit. Um, I'm really getting into the Ludi Lescott. Uh, I have a trip to New Orleans for Halloween this year coming up, and have you seen the Ludi Lescott? I have not. So is it, a, it is it a new deck? It is. A, it came out. I'm going to say two years ago, and uh, it's it sort of tells it's it's meant to tell the story of a young woman who moves to New Orleans and is a student of the occult. And what I find fascinating about it. Um, other than it's got, it's kind of like a Dark Shadows, like the television series kind of feel. There's vampires, there's elegantly dressed women, you know, there's frightening children. Um, there's not, there's, there's, this is not based on a, an original, on, on a pre-existing story. So this isn't based on a book or a comic series or anything like that. And the reader, you're never present, presented with a concrete uh, sort of front-to-back version of what the story is. You have to sort of suss it out by reading the cards. It's, it's sort of... It, uh, it's, a, it's a deck that's going to challenge you, but also kind of is telling this sort of dark, mysterious story about students of, of mystical arts and the occasional vampire and a lot of, of um, bustiers. So, and corsets. <laughs> a lot of corsets in that deck. So. I will mention one other deck, because when you're talking about being Tim Burton-esque... For the mm-hmm. the first deck for the Halloween deck, um, and another one that I really like that some people don't like because of the imagery is the Deviant Moon Tarot, mm-hmm. um, which for some people they think it's either weird or kind of spooky or odd in terms of the way that that imagery is done. But I really like that deck. It's got it. It kind of treads this nice little where like the Halloween Tarot is just a cartoon, really. Uh, the Deviant Moon has some kind of disturbing images that are intentionally, you know, they're there for a reason. Uh, there's, there's, there's some sort of, it's a, it's a creepy, <laughs> creepy crawly deck. Uh, and I, it's, I would use it this time of year. I wouldn't pull out in like February, you know, 
But, <laughs> for your Valentine's Day love reading, yes. let's use the and that deck, movie. <laughs> yes, that deck has kind of gotten a cult following. I'm using yeah. the word cult figuratively, but there might be a real one. And <laughs> um, the uh, creator just released a uh, his sort of take on the Marseille tradition that is sort of in that sort of Deviant Moon unit. He, he refers to it as the Deviant Moon's older sister deck. So you might be interested in that, or, or you listeners might be list- interested in finding out more about uh, Patrick Valenza, the creator of the Deviant Moon's uh, new deck. If, but anyway. Do you know what it's any called? Any kind of deviant. No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> find out. I think it's a, you know, it's a mystery heist. We want, we want to leave some mystery for the... <laughs> for That's the, right. If you want to really want to know, then you're going to have to hold a seance and ask the spirits to, there, to there show you go. on the Ouija board. They need to spell it out on the Ouija board for you, what yeah, the name of that Google. deck is. I guess you could Google. I don't know. <laughs> um, that's not much oh, fun. the modern Ouija board. Um, right on. <laughs> <laughs> Which, of course, is another uh, tool um, for using this time of year uh, for communicating with the spirits, as long as they're not dyslexic. What if you contact a dyslexic ghost? <laughs> because if they're trying if you answer the ask a question and they, they they're wanting to say yes but it keeps coming across as s-e-y you're like say what say what, say what? i don't know I what don't to understand. say i'm asking my question <laughs> i don't know what to say and everyone's thinking like this this doesn't work this is a piece of crap this is fake and you're like no <laughs> like the ghost is like why won't they listen and if the ghost wants to say no, all they're putting is on. And you're like, so it's on. So I guess I should do it. So I guess, yes, it's a go. It's on. Mm-hmm. And the ghost is over there on the other side like, no. No. Oh, that's anyway. why we're here. No. No. <laughs> anyway. So. so I think that we're both very excited and anticipating Lon Milo Duquette. I, I concur, and I think that the users have had a, the users, the readers, listeners, <laughs> whatever <laughs> it is you're doing. That's how we uh, live our lives. Well, they are readers in theory, uh, <laughs> but we're, we're assuming they read tarot. Um, they're probably ready to hear someone who's not us. So, do you want to someone who's a, someone who's actually funny? <laughs> someone who's yes, and legitimately interesting. Yes. Well, then I think that perhaps we should go ahead and invite him on. Shall we? We shall. And uh, let us just mention that um, we're going to give his intro. The music that you're going to hear is actually one of his compositions, one of his very own songs. Born in Long Beach, California, and raised in Columbus, Nebraska, 1960s radical peace activist and epic record songwriter and recording artist turned author, holy man, humorous wizard, Lon Mila Duquette is the best-selling author of 17 critically acclaimed books, translated into 13 languages, on magic and the occult. He is one of the most respected and entertaining writers and lecturers in the field of Western mystery traditions today. He is also an award-winning singer-songwriter whose music continues to inspire and provoke. Since 1975, he has been a national and international governing officer of 
Ordo Templi Orientis, one of the most influential magical societies of the 20th century. He is an internationally recognized authority on tarot and Western ceremonial magic. Although he takes these subjects very seriously, he tries not to take himself too seriously. This rare combination of scholarship and humor has earned him, in the last 20 years, a unique and respected position in American spiritual and esoteric literature. He is a prolific writer, and his published works have been hailed by experts and novices alike for bringing clarity to these often misunderstood subjects. One of his most popular works is the story of his own life, as a practicing ceremonial magician, My Life with the Spirit. Futurist and best-selling author Robert Anton Wilson calls it the best all-around introduction to Western occultism, sane, sensible, down-to-earth, and wonderfully witty. Reviewers have compared Lon Milo Duquette's wit and quirky writing style to that of Mark Twain and Robert Benchley, and his music to that of Pete Seeger, Tom Waits, and Leon Redbone. Audiences of his workshops and seminars describe the experience as a cascade of mesmerizing information, laughter, and terror. He lives in Costa Mesa, California with his wife of 47 years, Constance. Please join Heisey and I in welcoming the fabulous Lon Miley Duquette to the Amethyst Oracle. And welcome. <laughs> well, you know, we, we we had to call in extra security just to keep the people at bay. They were just so excited here. Um, well, that's it, the it, kind it, of reception I, I expect every morning when I wake up. Well, <laughs> it, felt like, it felt like we were doing this in the middle of Hong Kong, I can tell you. Do, now, do they um, throw the Bob Ross every morning? Is that just for special occasions? That's just, uh, well, no, every morning. I I desperately need to be loved. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, then we're here to provide that. Well, thank you for having me on. I truly appreciate it, and I really enjoyed your uh, uh, the beginning of the show. You guys are very, very uh, uh, smart and fun. Hey, oh. but you did you didn't mention my the the Lon Milo Duquette tarot deck. You know, I've got a, a tarot deck of my own called the Tarot of Ceremonial Magic. Isn't that isn't that scary enough for you? Oh, you know that is terrifying, but um, I'm just too terrified to actually use it. I uh, <laughs> I've se- I've seen too much, you know. I've <laughs> I, I, yeah. I I saw how you turned out, and I thought, no, that's not for me. No. I'm going to stick to the Halloween tarot. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. So, no, no, actually, I love that. I love your deck. It's not scary. <laughs> oh well, thank you. I've just been introduced to this. Uh, I've ne- never seen it before, but it's uh, the Rosetta Tarot. Have you seen the Rosetta Tarot? Um, Does it help you learn the, the language? The creator is M.M. <laughs> M. M. Milene or something. It's really absolutely gorgeous. And uh, uh, that's the one I'm I'm currently uh, fiddling around Invest- with. Yeah. And 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 in terms of quote unquote scary decks, is there any particular deck that stands out for you or that you like that 
would be considered kind of a spooky or scary deck? Um, well, well, you know, it's as you might imagine, uh, different things spook me, <laughs> <laughs> and so the, the the things that might spook a lot of people don't spook me, and things that don't spook a lot of people spook me. So uh, I don't know. You know, I'm um, uh, I do a lot of tarot readings uh, as just part of my trying to pay the rent you know but um and i use my own deck for for that and i guess i do that because what kind of an advertisement would i be if uh, <laughs> if i didn't but it's it's um uh, it's based on the you know same structure as the thoth tarot um and if, if i was going to uh 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 you know recommend an all-round best esoteric deck i would still I would still recommend the Thoth, the Thoth deck because I think it's probably the most uh, uh, awesome magical object dart that uh, that's uh, ever been created. Really, so it's 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 true. It's truly a magic deck. So uh, I hold it in in great respect. I was just about to say on the subject of of, of terrifying decks, that deck uh, has petrified a lot of tarot readers over the years because of uh, Aleister Crowley's reputation, but you wrote a tremendous book on that topic, uh, your book, Understanding the Crowley Thoth um, Tarot, and that, for me, was wonderful because I, to be honest, when I approached his his book of Thoth, I keep getting it wrong, um... I couldn't get through it. I couldn't kind of understand where he was going with it. And your book on that topic was a real breath of fresh air. What what got you into writing that particular? I didn't. Uh, you know, I um, uh, I fantasized that maybe someday when I grew grew very old and and venerable. That I would I would retire someplace and and uh, maybe understand the 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 Thoth Tarot and the Book of Thoth uh, uh, well enough to uh, uh, to to write the definitive text in my dotage, yeah. <laughs> and and um, <laughs> but that's not how it that's obviously that's not how it happened because obviously I'm not in my dotage yet. Uh, but um, I was at the, the BEA, the Book Expo America. I think in those years it was called the, the American Booksellers uh, Association. It's the biggest book selling bookseller and publishing uh, uh, trade show in the world. Mm-hmm. And in those days it was in Chicago, and I enjoyed going there. My publisher would always, you know, spring for a hotel and and. <laughs> I'd come read tarot cards or do something, something to to earn my keep, you know. <laughs> and and um, so I was in Chicago one year, and I really enjoy uh, after the convention every day, crashing uh, the different super uh, authors and publishing house uh, parties, and uh, and I would. Um, I would um, uh, join up with the with the press corps every morning, and we'd see who had the best party to crash, and it was our 
uh, it was our game with the, the press corps game uh, to uh, to all crash that party and meet up and have a toast, you know, at at uh, uh, John Grisham's party or something like that. And I just love it. I go there to play, okay, mm-hmm. and um, I get a note from. Um, well, I'm in Chicago, and I'm wandering around. I get a note from Judith Hawkins, who was the, the lead occult buyer for New Leaf Distributing. And at the time, New Leaf Distributors were the, were the major uh, American uh, distrib- distributor of uh, esoteric literature, Eastern mysticism, magic. And so they were the big distributors. And I got a note from Judith Hawkins, said that she would like to meet with me at the uh, uh, wiser booth uh, at at four o'clock, you know, toward the end of the uh, the day. And I thought we were going to get together and figure out where we're going to go to dinner or something like that. And uh, so I meet her, and what I didn't know is that she had made an appointment with um, Don Donald Wiser and Betty Lundstedt, who who were the publishers of Wiser at the at the time, to talk to them about me. And uh, I'd, I'd already had a couple books uh, uh, published with Weiser, and and uh, and one of them was um, uh, the Magic of Aleister Crowley, where I where I sort of try to explain Crowley in in everyday English, <laughs> you know. And that's um, no small task. Can we agree? I, <laughs> when you get on and, when, he, when uh, he goes on about pen pen generator, I'm like, wait, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Which I love, but but, but anyway, so uh, I'm bet you're sorry you asked this question because it led no, to no, no, this is fascinating. Uh, so so at at uh, four o'clock, I show up at the at the Weiser booth, and she's already sitting at um, at a table there with Betty and and Don, and I sit down, and then Judith starts talking and says that she has studied this stuff for 30 years she is the number she is the the head occult buyer in the in the country she's an expert um and she's no dummy and that she's um uh for years she's tried to understand what the hell alistair crowley was talking about in uh, uh his magic and theory in practice and then she goes on to say that that uh, my book the magic of uh, Salima, or the magic of alistair crowley um, actually explained it to her uh, in everyday language, and that that uh, I had sort of a knack for for taking these incredibly um, seemingly complex things and putting them in in, in normal um, normal language and and uh, a readable form. And I'm just sitting there going, "Wow, this is great! I don't have to open my mouth, and I'm just getting all these strokes." And then she said, I think he could do the same thing with the Book of Thoth. And she said, these Thoth tarot cards in any given year are the best-selling tarot deck in the world. And nobody knows what the F it's all about. And they try to read it in Crowley's Book of Thoth, and they don't understand what the hell he's saying. (laughs) And you've got... And I think Lon can write the uh, write the book on the Sotero that people could understand. And then she leans back and crosses her arms. And I haven't said a word. Oh, no. 
And the ball is now in your court. <laughs> well, it's not even in my court. Don, Don looks at Betty, and Betty looks at Lon, and they go, okay, Lon, go ahead. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean, go ahead and write a book? And, <laughs> <laughs> and they said, yes, yes, uh, uh, I think we should do that. And, you know, it's hard enough to get published, even when you've got a track record and stuff. It, it, it's, and so you don't turn it down when it falls in your lap. But, but it just fell in my lap, and I didn't even, it wasn't my idea. I thought I was many, 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 many years premature for, for me to uh, uh, be doing something like that. But then I went ahead and... Uh, uh, Took three years of my life and did that. <laughs> oh wow, that book is worth the price of admission. For it. there's a single page in there, and you even write on the page, "Bookmark this page," which I really appreciate that you did that. Uh, you saved me having to go back and look for it. Where you where you described the process of going through the through the miners, uh, um, and then also through the cabalistic tree of life, and how num how how uh, how each of the numbers sort of. Uh, operates um, across the board and how things like to be ones and they sometimes don't like very much to be tens <laughs> and, and, and <laughs> degrees in between. And that, that was a very, that, that book, that one page <laughs> just cleared up so much for me when I was looking through like, man, these eights look miserable, but look, the one is so happy. It's so clean. So <laughs> I, I deeply appreciated. Uh, I read the oh. whole thing, but the one page, if I only got to have one page, that would be the one. Well, then I'm lucky that there is one page. Even, so. <laughs> I mean, the rest of it's very good. And, and I would be, I would be curious if, you know, sometimes you'll hear people say when they're working on something in particular, then certain things start to happen in their life that seem to be either affected by that or as a result of that. And I'm wondering, working on both of the books, the one on Aleister Crowley and the one on uh, the Thoth, if if you found either interesting or odd things seemed to be happening or transpiring while writing and immersed in those, or how they perhaps affected or really shifted or changed you as a result of being so immersed in them. Well, I guess I'm so close to myself and so uh, insensitive uh, that I didn't uh, actually uh, notice any anything that I, uh, uh, you know, concluded was a uh, was uh, you know caused by my uh, uh, the project I was engaged uh, in. But my life has been pretty weird, and <laughs> and. Um, uh you know unpredictable and and uh uh very colorful um my my whole life so i you know i, I wouldn't know um if uh things were going crazy in my life because of what i was doing or that's just my life going crazy like it always does so so you're saying we can't well, blame Aleister Crowley for that Crowley for that <laughs> no well, you know i can only blame myself for everything so well, so, and um, and we've been talking about things that are, you know, a bit scary. So let's talk about your life. Um, and you've really kind of laid out your life in your biography, My Life with the Spirits. 
So for there's probably three people left on the, at this point on the planet that haven't read that book. But for the benefit of those three, uh, maybe you can just give us a little bit of a, a background about what brought you into and started to create all of this magical mayhem for you in your life. Well, as a, uh, as a child growing up in Columbus, Nebraska, I I was a, a bit rebellious and uh, uh, but not rebellious socially or or uh, or anything. I was a little rebellious uh, uh, politically because the uh, the war in Vietnam uh, had had more or less radicalized me and and um, got me thinking in terms of of you know international. Um, uh, consciousness, world consciousness, instead of you know just my little town I was in. But um, I was I was really rebellious against uh, my uh, evangelical Christian upbringing. And um, even though I was very active in the, like the church choir and music and things like that in the in the church and. And everything I was, uh, I as long as I can remember, even as a as a toddler, uh, I thought about uh, uh, the nature of my own existence and uh, uh, pondering the nature of my own existence uh, and coming to what what pitiful conclusions uh, that I would come to. I. I, I overtly remember previous incarnations i remember previous incarnations from the time i was laying in my crib and uh i had absolutely uh, you know this is before television and and uh, uh certainly i was never taken to a movie or anything else i had no idea why i was thinking about uh uh trenches and bombs and and roadsters and and making love to women in mexico and and uh, 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 silent movies and and uh, things like that. I have no idea where those came from. It's either genetic memory or uh, reincarnation, or reincarnation is a form of genetic memory. I don't know, but I've always had a, uh, existed on a on a spiritual uh, uh, or on the premise that I'm a, that I'm a spiritual being. Uh, even as a baby, I went, God, I'll never be a baby again. I hate this baby shit. I, uh, um, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. How did I get in this baby body? I was just really frustrated that I couldn't, you know, that I had to have my diapers changed and stuff. Oh, geez. <laughs> oh, there it goes. Oh, geez. Look at that. You know, and um, so I always felt like an adult. Trapped in a in a child's body, so I I more or less knew that uh, I was never off. Wow, infant I would, gnosis. I would ponder, I would ponder this thing of where was I before I was born, and and after a while, I just I came to the solid conclusion I've never been off. I've been wow. on all the time. What these people call sleep and death or whatever, all of that. Well, I'm sorry, it's some kind of illusion. You're 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 on. You're on all the time. I've never been off. <laughs> and finally, and finally, when it uh, when it dawned on me, well, you know, God's never off either. 
Ooh. And so I must be I must be a monad, I must be a, a cell in God. Okay, I must be a shard in the hologram of God because I'm never off either. I get it. Okay, God, I get it, you know. And uh, uh so uh, can you can you imagine how uh uh I felt when as a, a 6, 7, 8-year-old kid, I had a Sunday school teacher telling me God hated Chinese and Negroes. Mm. Because uh, mm. because uh, um, one of Noah's sons saw him naked. I said, "What the hell are you talking? This is the <laughs> stupidest! What?" Yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't believe grown-ups thought uh, believed in this stuff. I, I just couldn't believe. And when I figured out grown-ups did, I went, "Oh God, I got to get out of here!" You know, <laughs> this is not for me. Uh, <laughs> and and so I've always I've always uh, uh, that's that's been my foundation right there. And uh, the second I graduated from high school in uh, Nebraska, uh, 1966, I moved. I was a musician. I'd been a working musician since I was 14. I mean, a working, paying the rent, the family's rent. My father was sick um, uh, since I was 14. And I took my guitars and my amps, <laughs> and I I moved to Southern California and pretended to go to college. <laughs> nice. And um, uh, if you can imagine coming to California in 1966, Southern California, Mamas the Papas, Timothy Leary, Beatles, LSD, uh, you know, uh, folk music, uh, anti-war, LSD. Um, <laughs> yoga, yoga, <laughs> Eastern mysticism, LSD. And, there we go. And uh, uh going on. <laughs> yes, my, my brother and I went out to the to the desert, uh, and we truly vowed not to come back from the desert until we were holy men. And uh, we went out to this beautiful monument, Joshua Tree uh, National Monument, Giant Rock. And I um, uh, took a massive dose as the sun was coming up and a full moon was going down. And um, we had quite a, quite a day out in the desert. But uh, the point is that after that, I knew that understanding myself, understanding the nature of self, was the only thing in the world, only thing in life that was worth pursuing. Mm -hmm. That everything else, either I had to go to work learning how to wake up, or I would walk from cradle to grave asleep like everybody else that I was seeing. I knew I had to guilefully, willfully, wake up and do whatever it took so i of course in those days the eastern mysticism was really big and i really um uh, fancied myself uh, a yogi and I, I and i pictured myself gaining enlightenment with, with shaved head and and yeah. uh the in, in an ochre robe maybe i, I was going to look so cool Gaining enlightenment. Okay. That you did. Gonna, you, actually, gonna, you make gonna, enlightenment look pretty cool, Lon. 
I was, but I was, I, I was going to look so cool while I was losing my ego, you know. And, uh, <laughs> wait, wait a minute. I see the problem there. Yeah, and, and there is a problem there. There really is, and that problem is sort of what is the difference between the Western psyche and the Eastern psyche. Eastern psyche, you know, can go in and and strip away all the things that they're not. And they're very comfortable with closing their eyes and going inside. Yeah, but in the West, we close our eyes and go inside, and we go, "Oh God, oh shit, that, oh man, that's it's scary in there," you know. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so we like things on the outside. It's not that we're not looking for the same thing, but in the West and the Western psyche, and which I, I am more or less identifying with, uh, we like to deal with these inner. Uh, these inner dimensions, we like to deal with them metaphorically outside of ourselves. That's why we like scripture. That's why we like uh, mantras and poetry. That's why we like ceremonial magic. That's why we like ritual. And and as long as you don't uh, 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 make the mistake of being superstitious about all of this outward, inward work, as long as you, as long as you, you actually know that these spirits that you're dealing with, these angels and archangels and spirits and intelligences and demons, as long as you realize that these are things inside you already that you that you need to deal with, as long as you got that straight, feel free to project them outside of yourself and deal with them like they were on a table right in front of you. And eventually I, I got introduced to the works of uh, uh, Alistair Crowley, who just scared the living crap out of me when I first read him. <laughs> and, uh, and I, um, uh, but even dealing with Crowley made me first deal with myself. Why am I reacting so superstitiously about this character? Why am I afraid of Aleister Crowley? What did he do that freaked me out so much? What could he possibly have done? It's not, the problem isn't with Crowley. I eventually would find out. The problem isn't with Crowley. The problem's with me. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, it became clear that if I couldn't find the light in the darkness... I wasn't going to be able to find it anywhere. So just go ahead and and uh, and uh, plunge with both feet into the darkness if you think that that even the darkness is brilliant enough. And there's not a doubt in my mind that that even the most horrible detractor of Crowley will say there's brilliance in that darkness. And uh, and I was rewarded with uh, the eventual revelation that there was indeed, this is where I was going to have to go to find the light that I was seeking. And, and uh, as the years go by, uh, Crowley's work still is, is peeling back and amazing me just year after year after year. Crowley's awakening, the story of Crowley's awakening, is helping me awake too. You know, 
one of the contrib- uh, the things I most appreciate about um, your work is that you've taken you have a, a real gift for taking systems that seem very confusing: hermeticism, metabolism, esoteric, mathy things, and make them very approachable. A few years ago at Pantheacon, I was op- I was looking through the uh, the schedule and I, I opened up and there was a panel called Let's Actually Do Some Enochian Magic. And I thought that was a profound title. And I, I I realized at that point I thought no one actually did Enochian magic. And there you were. You're going to lead everyone through through the chant. And um I, well, I, one, I love that you teach people let's actually do this. This isn't that hard. Come if I can do it you can. But then um I was reading I'm a huge fan of uh, your your book Low Magic, and one of the things that Low Magic clarified for me was that I guess there's a, a rep that the Western ceremonial magician is a, a a boring, dry person who goes into a room and and says sort of very dull things. But when you're relating each of the the chapters, the lessons, you're talking about you you're able to convey sort of the emotional experience you were having. At the time, we, we were when you created the talismans uh, of the different planets. Uh, I remember you got you talking about how transformational it was emotionally for you. The the, the uh, state that you were in going into that, and how the work transformed you. So, ha- has it been your desire to make the the obfuscated, the uh, impossible, much more <laughs> possible and and clear for for seekers. Well, the I first of all write to explain things to myself, and if in doing so I can explain it to others. It is icing on the cake. Mm -hmm. But first I need, I am so, I think in school they would have said I had attention deficit disorder or something. (laughs) Okay. You know, if I would have been born, uh, you know, 20 years later, they would have put me on Ritalin and I'd be an accountant. (laughs) But uh, the... I need to I need to to explain it to my even things that require a quantum uh a quantum understanding or uh, uh an under, an understanding that is more than just explaining it with your rational mind because in because in magic especially in in cabalistic magic you you use your mind to occupy your mind while you rise above your mind you get your mind going on a <laughs> on a project and you then you r- rise up to the neshama level and say okay mind I'll, I'll keep you occupied while i just go ahead here and gain enlightenment <laughs> and uh, and um uh, so I, I i write to explain things to uh, uh to myself and um in, in the same way, when I was given that Sostero project, I said, "Oh, gee, this is so huge! It's such a huge project!" And, and I got to crawl into Crowley's head, and I got to crawl into Frida Harris's head, 
and and um, I really have to have all of my cabalistic ducks in a row and everything else. But I did it one step at a time, explaining one thing to myself after another. Uh, for the last 37 years, we've had a weekly class in our home here in Costa Mesa. Mm-hmm. For three of those years, it was two nights a week. It's Monday night magic class, and Monday night magic classes. Um, uh, quite a few of the people that attend are OTO initiates and AA initiates, and but a good half of every class aren't in any organization, or they're not in the OTO. We open it up to anybody who can behave themselves in my living room for two hours. <laughs> right on. And so every week we have people who we have a collection that is a combination of true adepts and people who are right off the street. And every week I try to help stimulate and be provocative, offer something provocative for the adepts and at the same time explain it to somebody right off the street from square one. And so every Monday night is this tightrope of introductory material and postgraduate work. And I try to keep everybody not only entertained, but I try to try to to expand their their wisdom on whatever the subject is that we're we're talking about. And I think that's also been very helpful in in how I go about um tackling a uh, like a textbook uh uh project. Awesome. Excellent. Well, definitely it makes it very approachable. So I wanted to thank you for that. And I just cut high C off. Well, <laughs> no, <you didn't. laughs> um, well, well I, I'm I'm curious because you said that um, you know the, the Eastern approach tends to be to look inward, the Western approach tends to be to look outward. Even that's just externalizing things through ritual and magic and that. Um, but you know, there of course there are systems of magic even in the East, and I'm wondering in your quest in your studies, have you noticed? a difference between the way magic is approached or done in the West versus how it's approached and done in the East? Yeah. The, first of all, in the, the, the East, there's, there's uh, an immediate, uh, more uh, comfortable um, acceptance of it as a spiritual act. Okay. Uh, in the West... Uh, even even very very smart uh, uh, sophisticated people are still are still laboring under the uh, centuries of this idea that this is uh, that this is evil that it's forbidden that it's that it's strange that uh, it is somehow uh, uh, taboo and they have to to overcome a, a taboo to to do it. And uh, in a sense, there's a certain amount of uh, 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 virtue 
in in starting something by by committing a taboo but we truly are in the west are truly encumbered with whether we know it or not even the most sophisticated of us are are still uh, affected by by a deep deep almost into our genetic burned into our dna self-loathing guilt hmm. Uh, uh, the, the, this idea of, of uh, uh, sacrifice and the un, the unworthiness of our, our uh, of our lives, unless we somehow give it over to uh, uh, to a savior, uh, is very. I mean, it, it just it doesn't border on. It is cultural mental illness. And that is not always present in the, uh, in the Easterners. They have their own, I'm sure they have their own negative uh, aspects to their, their culture, too. But it really doesn't uh, uh, manifest. An Easterner is very, uh, talk to a, you know, a Hindu on the, on the train, and uh, uh, they're quite comfortable talking about uh, Satan and Jesus in the same, same breath, you know, because... Uh, they don't see anything, you know, difference between Kali and, <laughs> you know, and, and Vishnu, you know, gee, you know, go ahead. Oh, I, I worship uh, somebody that flays my skin and sucks <laughs> my brains out of my skull, you know, and they're perfectly wholesome. We've yet, we've yet to, to embrace how wholesome our spiritual heritage really is. We are so worried. We are so hung up and repressed, and and uh, that we it's hard for us even to be wholesome about our sexuality. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's that's a that's a lot to overcome. But uh, but it's it's not uh, an insurmountable problem. It's just it's just sort of the burden the burden that 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 we carry. But it's one that feels so damn good when you throw it off. It's just, and that's what Crowley was was really, really good about. Because he he was as hung up as anybody in the in the whole world, and came out of a, a very hung up environment. And and he just he just went ahead and just shocked the the crap out of the the world and said, just lighten up. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got a lecture. I've got a lecture that I say, "Good and evil, get over it." Mm-hmm. That's the title. Good and evil, get over it. Because if your idea of the supreme intelligence is so small that it has an opposite, then you're not really grasping what the supreme intelligence is. You're dealing mm-hmm. with little devils: a devil of good, a devil of bad. God, the supreme intelligence, the big whatever it is, has to be so big that there is no opposite, that it doesn't have an opposite, that it can't have an opposite. Does that make sense? It does. I love when you described it as uh, being so big it has no, no room for anything outside of itself, including nothing. That's right. And I, thought, <laughs> and I thought, whoa. I was at a, pan- at a panel you were, you were doing, and you, you said that, I'm like... That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, well, and, and, 
And I, I saw Wait. you also, or I heard you at a, a panel um, as well, and, and this was more geared towards uh, discussion around things like demons and that kind of thing. So you have a couple of books that you talk about working, and you've also mentioned working with things like archangels and demons and different spiritual energies, and hopefully you will correct me in the pr- pronunciation. I, I'm never sure if it's Goetia. Sure. Or, is that the proper pronunciation? That's how I pronounce it, you know, and I oh, started excellent. pronouncing it that way uh, uh, like 40 years ago because I thought that's how it was pronounced. And then I hear uh, other people pronouncing it uh, nowadays, and I said, oh, you you pronounce it that way too. And they said, well, no, I heard you 40 years ago pronounce it that way, so I'm <laughs> oh, pronouncing no. it that way. So, so I don't know. Maybe I started pronouncing it that way. But uh, yeah, Goetia, yeah, I call it Goetia. And, uh, but so, it looks so like Goetia. Yeah, and I've heard some people say it that way, actually. Um, sure. So, so would you say that that things like archangels and demons and all of that, and maybe you can give people a little bit of insight as to what you mean when you say demon, because that certainly has a certain perception in our culture. Um, but do you think those are levels of beings that allow us to ultimately begin to grasp and move towards that larger concept of God? Yes. Uh, first of all, they 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 can't be outside of the big uh, tapestry that uh, that is the, the the supreme intelligence. I mean, they if if you think they're coming from hell, I'm sorry. Well, hell hell's in the big consciousness too. <laughs> uh, so there's there's you know uh, they have to deal. We have to deal with them. Uh, it, it's only a matter of of uh, uh, size or perspective. Um, they aren't supernatural. There's, they may be supernatural, but they're not supernatural uh, in the way most people think of supernatural, like, ooh, they've got a, an existence all their own somewhere. They're playing pinochle right now just hoping we won't find the magical recipe that whips them up so they have to come to work for us. But the metaphor of that of that story is as real as if they were objective creatures. Look at it this way. You know, the physicists say that there's four great forces in the, the universe that the strong force, the weak force, the gravitational force, and uh, and uh, radioactivity, mm-hmm. or elect- electromagnetism. Electromagnetism, strong force, weak force, uh, gravity. Fire, and and can't you see the fire, water, air, and earth there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Electromagnetic water cause mm-hmm. it deals with waves and and flows like that. Um, gravity being Earth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh, my wife is stepping into the room here with my socks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an Thank apparition, you. just as we were talking Thank, of these things. Yes, and she's a beautiful <laughs> apparition. So. <laughs> so, thank you, dear. Um, 
so we could look at gravity as the arc, as the ultimate archangel of Earth. Mm-hmm. Okay. Ooh. So we'll we'll call him Gravity Al. This would be a great movie. I'm sorry. I'm listening. <laughs> Gravity Al. Okay. Reporting for duty, sir. Right. Yeah. Now, gravity manifests uh, in all sorts of ways, in almost infinite number of ways, it, uh, uh, from big to very small. But so let's let's say that that uh, uh, big gravitational influences, like. Uh, 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 well, we could use an example early on in the uh, Big Bang creation uh, uh, cycle when, when uh, finally things expand and cool down enough for, for literally gravity to be formed. Then things start, things start uh, happening and, and gravity starts to um, uh, ex- exert its influence uh, on the on the world around us, and there's a there's a, a proportion of its effect because of uh, uh, the degree of mass and and all of that. So you could call these these later expressions of of gravity. You could call those angels because they're working under the general the general generic influence of gravity. But then there would be an angel that's responsible for uh, the action of the tides. There would be an uh, an angel that that is um, responsible for the uh, the behavior of light around black holes. There would be a. You follow me? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that would be an angel, and there'd be many angels of gravity working under gravity al of the great archangel. <laughs> wow. Yes. Okay, then if uh, I've got a, a guitar capo here on my desk, okay, and I'm I'm pushing it off my desk, and it, uh, it's just hit the floor. So that is a spirit called Drop Al. <laughs> okay, and um, if it, if it would have fallen into some water and made a uh, 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 caused uh, other smaller gravitational events that would be splat al and splash al okay and uh, little spirits of that and as we go down further and further and further we're getting into uh, uh, a lower and lower hierarchy of things all under uh, eventually under the 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 control of the archangel angels spirits, and intelligences. And then we get so low that we start to fragment. Mm. We start to deal now in partial expressions of gravity. Warped things. Bits of gravity with one arm. (laughs) Or or imbalanced bits of gravity with four eyes. You know? (laughs) They would like <laughs> they would like to be whole. They would like to be balanced, but they're not because they've gotten all that way down the hierarchy of gravitational effects. Hmm. So the magician's job is to take 
his entire universe and rebalance it, bring completion to the incomplete, bring balance to the imbalance. So it's the magician's job to seek out those parts of himself or herself that are currently unbalanced and incomplete. And because they're imbalanced and incomplete, they're working against the magician. This is why the magician has health problems, or this is why the magician uh, isn't happy, or this is why the magician uh, uh, can't keep a job, or this is why the magician uh, uh, has has problems. Mm. Okay? Because all of the magician's demons are running him rather than he running them. So it's not a job where where you, where you you say uh, um, oh go make the girl next door fall in love with me you know I'm going to do something supernatural because I've got no charm I'm going to yeah. going to have to go into my mother's basement and and uh, <laughs> whip up a, a spirit well I'm sorry she's not in love with you because you are so imbalanced and incomplete that you're not the type of guy she falls in love with. Hmm. You can't change her with your magic. You're going to have to change yourself with the magic. And so the 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 why Goetic magic and this type of magic gets a bad name is because when you play with it, you are volun you're volunteering to mutate yourself for the better, come hmm. what may. And self mutation sometimes is painful, sometimes is disruptive to your nice, comfortable, imbalanced, and incomplete life. Getting your shit together is catastrophic to your loser life. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, so, so it's a psychodrama, and uh, <clears throat> that uh, that is truly magical. You truly program yourself to raise your hand and say, "I'm going to do what it takes to change myself into the type of person that she'll fall in love with, or whatever the object of your your operation is." You've only got yourself to work with. It's your raw material. You can't change the world. If you want to change the world, you've got to change yourself, and then you go out and change the world, and that's how it works. And uh, the, this idea that, that you think you're, you're somehow tricking uh, the universe into you know, sending a, uh, a hateful, spiteful int to go do your dirty work for you, I'm sorry, you're going to end up doing the dirty work yourself most fun there's, there's nope. no other way around it this makes too much sense i've often when i would look at sort of like the list of the goetic like someone's like oh here's the list of the goetic demons and think and there'd be like it's almost like a you know a desk calendar like a demon a day desk calendar yeah <laughs> and there'd be all these descriptions of them and i thought whoever put this together like what what and now i know it was lon milo duquette in a past life like trying to explain 
the the scientific terminology available and psychological terminology available at the time of the Renaissance. Uh, and you think, okay, that one would be like a horse with uh, fishtails and red antlers. That's what you know, yeah. and that, that's what got written. Okay, now that is a, I think that's a really profound way of working with something that the the idea of demon work terrified me for a very long time. Uh, because it, I guess I'm imagining something very Linda Blair happening. Right, but right. The I guess it's still terrifying the idea of of changing self and getting self out of self's way by, uh, but it's a lot, it's a lot less terrifying, to say the least. So, um, and uh, in low magic, you have some great charts about of of all of these beings. So if anyone listening thinks they need to sort of get their their inner choruses working, you you have some. You have the charts, but then also you do wonderful descriptions of, of your workings. When you talked about your first copy of the of your tarot deck and the operate the two day operation you went through to empower that, it was it was phenomenal because you'd be you'd be talking about and then I chanted for four hours the precise <laughs> names in order of all of the astrological spirits so that anyone using my deck would uh, be they would be commanded to assist though that person and then I, and then it was a, and then I got a bagel with uh, onions and it was very good and I put on my favorite sweatpants and I got out the elemental tablets and I thought this is I could do this I could do this <laughs> I could yeah, yeah. I could get the uh, I, so I think it's a very um ins, in, inspirational work to say the least uh, a low magic well thank you. And since since we have him coming up here shortly in the show, I'm curious where the the concept of the devil does or does not fit into your universe and cosmology of all of these beings. Um, well, as uh, the way the, the the Christians would look at it, um, uh, it doesn't fit in at all. <laughs> um, the there there are forces that um uh tend to aid my evolution and there are obstacles that tend to uh, uh impede my evolution and if uh, the, the closest thing that i've got to uh, uh the concept of a of a of a devil like that would be you know all those things mostly uh aspects of myself that would that would tend to uh um, um, stand in stand in the way of of my uh, actually doing my doing what I'm here to do, mm. and um, so the I don't really have a have a concept of uh, of uh, devil or Satan in the, in the classic uh, Western Christian uh, uh, point of view. So, uh, and from and from a tarot standpoint, as the devil card, what is the concept, or what does that represent for you in terms of where it fits into that system? Well, the the, the devil card, uh, uh, two fifteen or or the fifteenth key, is uh, it is the most uh, 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 hardcore and pure male symbol in the uh, in the trumps. It is a big penis, okay, <laughs> and. Uh, 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 it is it is uh, all of those things uh, uh, phallic. It looks um, it is in in my 
um, um, pitiful way of looking at things. Uh, it is, uh, it's just another aspect, another facet of the magician card. Okay, mm-hmm. it's just the it's just the one that uh, uh, truly requires you to look a little deeper under the surface uh, uh, to to see what it's uh, to see what it's about, and uh, uh, um, you know it is no more evil a card uh, than Capricorn is more evil than Cancer, <laughs> you know, or <laughs> Capricorn is more evil than Sagittarius, you know. I've, I've known. I've known more crazy Sagittarians than I have <laughs> Capricorns. But, well, well uh, it, does, it, does, it does make me curious, though, because if if the devil is related to Capricorn and I'm a Capricorn and the devil is basically a big penis, does that make me a big dick or does that just mean I have one? Uh, well, I'm just going to let you just answer that question yourself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lord, I see, I think. <laughs> But the, but but look, the we've got uh, uh, you know even in the the, the, the most esoter- exoteric of the decks, we've got those two uh, little uh, little devil ets uh, yeah. chained to the chained to the the uh, devil's throne there, uh, and they don't look all, uh, unhappy at all. They look kind of kind of cute, as a matter of fact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, but one's female. The one on the left is female, and the one on the the, the right is male. Okay, females is uh, um, um, you know uh, we've got our actives and our passives, and and immediately we've uh, we've got uh, an electrical thing going on here, uh, and we've also got active passive uh, 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 aspects of this this huge phallic. Uh, um, uh, uh, symbol of the devil itself, but actually the 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 core of that is made up of equal parts of female and and uh, male, active and passive. So even though it's the most overtly in your face male um, uh, symbol in the in the tarot, just look at it and see inside it is made up of equal parts of uh, of male and female. And so the, the this idea of uh, of uh, the the sun in Capricorn, this this idea of um, the the great the great phallus in our solar system is the sun with its penetrating, continually penetrating photons that actually penetrate the female Earth to invivify or revivify the sleeping seeds in the ground that bring up the, the the grass and vegetation and things like that. And the sun itself is a balancing act of male and female, of active and passive, the active radiating energy of the thermal nuclear uh, uh, activity that's going there that is matched equally by the mass of the sun and its gravitational pull that keeps it contained. So we've got two equal things, an active and a passive thing. This is why the sun has always been considered twins. This is why in Gnosticism and and, uh, early Christianity they said Satan and Jesus were twin brothers. 
this is why even in exoteric Christianity, we've got John the Baptist and and uh, uh, and Christ going for us, or Christ and the Magdalene in 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 uh, uh, modern Gnosticism. Um, we've got the the active centripetal uh, force of. Uh, um, the, the gravity holding everything in, and the centrifugal force of the radiating energy of of uh, the sun. It's always trying to escape and hold itself in at the same time. That's the big male and female, okay? And that's the source of that the 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 big the big phallic energy. This is why Horus is twins. The active Horus himself. And uh, his twin brother Harpocrates, who is all passive and all silent, and so the the this devil card. When you you shouldn't ask me about a tarot card, otherwise I'll start telling you about it. So, um, <laughs> no, this is enthralling. So, um, so um, uh, when I see the the devil card, it's the last thing on my mind of a of a negative spiritual force. <laughs> well, this card <laughs> indicates a negative spiritual force. Yeah, the sun. Um, so, besides the tarot, which, as you've indicated, ask a question, and you certainly are happy to expound upon that, and we all just sit at your knees and gaze up at your knowledge. Oh, uh, that, I think you're you're talking to yourself. Oh, the guy's crazy. He's no, no. But another thing that you are also deeply immersed in is music. And I think that we would be remiss to not mention, and to garner the support of our listeners for a particular contest that you are currently engaged in, with regards to your music. Now, last year. You won an uh, an open mic contest, I believe. Is, is that what it's called? Open mic US, uh, a songwriting well, that's, contest. That's who sponsored it, but it was um, it was a songwriting contest, uh, and uh, I entered one of my songs, and my song won. Yes, and and so that song was Bernice. Is that correct? That was Bernice, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, I thought we would play just a little sample of that for people to hear. Uh, and then when we come back, we're going to ask you a question about the song, but then we also want to make sure they know about the current contest. So okay. let's just take a moment to, to hear a little bit of your, your winning composition from last year. Bernice, when we were children playing on the porch, I was shy but carried such a torch. But those days have gone Bernice We're both in college Class of 28 Both carnal knowledge majors Ain't it great Now this is my song So that was just a snippet of that song. Do you want to maybe just give us a little bit of 
insight history oh, behind geez, that song. Oh, the song hadn't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, you see, we're, we're oh, that's, that's teasing a song about, people. That's a song about my girlfriend in 1928. Huh. Well, but that was just a tease. People can certainly go to iTunes and download it. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> um and and you have a, a rich history in music in your life. Do you want to give us a little bit of uh, history and background of your involvement in music? Well, as a you know, as a like every boy, I played the guitar. But I got lucky enough to get in a band when I was fourteen, and I um, stayed in a working band uh, all through high school. And um, uh, when I uh, moved to California to go to college, I I uh, was lucky enough to uh, get a re- record contract uh, with uh, CBS um, or uh, Epic Records. And um, uh, my partner and I recorded two singles and an album on the Epic label. And um, I around 1970 and 71. Um, but when my son was born... And other people recorded our songs and stuff too, and and we 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 did okay. Uh, but when my son was born, I uh, uh, really figured that I wanted to uh, uh, actually have a stable lifestyle instead of the wild and craziness of a musician. And so I gave it up. Uh, and For Tarot. What's that? For Tarot, being a very stable life. Well, I don't know how stable it was. I starved to death for the next 30 years because uh, <laughs> I, I've been a musician for so long that uh, I really had uh, no idea what objective reality was. Um, but um, uh, just a, a few years ago, a friend gave me a ukulele, and I started uh, uh, in between uh, writing when I wanted to relax. I plunked on the ukulele, and all of a sudden, uh, songs started to come out. And I eventually got a guitar and and got back into playing. And now it seems like uh, a great deal of my magical work is is being poured through um, uh, through songs and music. And I've been lucky enough to get uh, um, uh, a manager who's ended up being my little record label and publisher. And and um, and I've been super lucky in uh, getting some very, very good uh, uh, live performance gigs. And I've, uh, in the last three years, have um, uh, recorded and released three uh, CD, three CDs and a few uh, 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 singles that are uh, downloadable type singles. And... Uh, I jumped through all the hoops. My music's on um, uh, Pandora and Spotify and and for sale and and such. And I've played all over the world. I um, um, I've just been lucky enough because I, I do have a lot of uh, a lot of friends and contacts, and I do travel a, a, around the world a lot, um, uh, speaking on esoteric things. And uh, I'm. Uh, it just so happens that many of the esoteric contacts are also uh, uh, music professionals, and, and they've booked me into uh, uh, some very prestigious uh, 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 nightclubs and and, uh, <laughs> and wonderful venues. I played Super Deluxe in, um, 
in uh, Tokyo and um, uh, Berlin and Oslo and um, Macedonia and Croatia and wow. of course Lon- London and and um, um, and even uh, Shanghai Shanghai earlier this year and then twelve countries in uh, in Europe uh, between uh, uh, May and June this past year and so and I just uh, last month played at um, uh, Susan Sarandon's nightclub uh, in Manhattan called Spin uh, Spin New York and. Uh, I've been insanely, insanely lucky, and I've uh, just joined this, uh, uh, the Guitar Center, uh, which is a chain of, of uh, guitar stores, large guitar stores all over the country, uh, has an international uh, songwriting competition, and there is almost 11,000 entrants in it, um, and we can uh, uh, enter five of our music vi- uh, di- uh, videos to it. And then they count how many uh, uh, people have viewed the videos, and then the final uh, five uh, are then judged on the songs. And uh, to tell you the truth, I'm very—they're good songs, and they're different than the type of songs that um, most everybody is uh, is entering. And I'm an old fart that people will feel sorry for, so I'm going for it. <laughs> and. And the prize is $25,000 and about $10,000 worth of guitars and equipment and things. And um, uh, a four-record uh, EP with Don Weiss and um, uh, and uh, then a guest spot on Jimmy Kimmel, on Jimmy Kimmel Live. Wow. Uh, and so out of uh, almost 11,000 entrants, I'm uh, currently number one. Woohoo! Oh. And can you can you give us can you give us the the website for people to go and and watch the video so that we can add to yes, the count? Yes, I have it tattooed right here to my arm. <laughs> uh, if they just Googled uh, 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 Guitar Center Songwriter Contest, they'll go directly to it, and my picture will be on the front page. Um, but the URL is uh, one word: songwriter. Dot Amplify, and I'll spell that A M P L I F I E R T V dot com. And then if they want, they can backslash channel lawn plus Milo plus Duquette. But it's a lot easier just to go to. uh, just Google Guitar Center Singer Songwriter Contest, and it'll take you right right to the front page. And my smiling face in the for the moment in the number one position. Excellent. We'll make sure that we post that on our Facebook oh, page please. as well, if, so it, people can know about that. And we'll summon as many demons as it takes, Lon. Thank you. Thank to you, my magical friends. <laughs> Excellent. Um, since now we're, we're a show about oracles, what projects do you have for the future? Are there any writing projects or speaking projects that are on the horizon, as it were? Yeah, well, yes, I'm I'm uh, writing my uh, um, uh, a book about my life in the OTO, uh, 
You're allowed to do that? Uh, what's that? You're allowed to do that? <laughs> Isn't the, are you, where's when the OTO going to find out? Any, when I'm have kidding. I ever been? That's I right. don't know if I've ever been allowed to do anything. Uh, just, <laughs> fair enough, fair I'll, enough. I'll just go ahead and do it. Yeah. No, it'll be it'll be fun. And it'll be uh, it'll be nice. The OTO has um, uh, just experienced a wonderful landmark uh, uh, event uh, in uh, Florence, Italy, just uh, three four days ago. Um, the the national kings of or the the heads of the organization in the the five countries where there is a grand lodge um, elected. Uh, Hymenaeus Beta, who has been acting uh, international head of the order for uh, since 1985, uh, they finally, finally elected him uh, uh, not acting. The, uh, in actuality, he's the outer head of the the order because it uh, it's taken that long to get that many national heads. Uh, so the OTO is is more organized than it ever was, even in Crowley's day. So that was the, that's a nice thing. <laughs> Excellent. So thank you so much for for everything, for your writings, for your music, for your lectures, and thank you for uh, for the last hour <laughs> of your time uh, talking to us. It's been we've really appreciated you coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me. And. Um, Right after this, we're going to go into a little break and move into our next interview. So be sure to check out Lon's website and his iTunes page and his Amazon.com page so you can get and more Lon Milder and his Facebook page. A lot of pages. <laughs> so you can get more uh, Lon Milder flavored goodness in your life. And we'll just remind people that if you are interested in getting a reading a little bit later in the show that you can Skype in or you can call 646-716-5510. And right after the break, we'll be interviewing the devil. Death, she wants to pin your will Up on beneath the reaper's veil with your voice my belly sunk And I began to feel so drunk Candle, candle on my clock Oh Lord, I must have heard you knock me out of bed As the flames licked my head And my lungs filled up black in their tiny little shack It was real And I repent All those messages You sent clear as day But in the night Oh I couldn't get it right You're listening to the Amethyst Oracle Divination with a Queer Twist With hosts High C and Charlie Harrington On Firefly Willows L-I-V-E Find out more at facebook.com slash the amethyst oracle. Here is a church and here is a steeple. Open the doors, there are the people. 
And all their little hearts at ease For another week's disease An eagle, eagle, towel and scream I never once left in between I was on the fence And I never wanted your two cents Down my throat, into the pit With my head upon the spit Oh Reverend, please, can I chew your ear? I've become what I most fear And I know there's no such thing as ghosts But I have seen the demon holes Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We're working hard to be your trusted source for fun, enlightening, and heart-centered information and community. And we're passionate about the art of transformative media, the new leading edge of communication in our highly connected, media-rich world. If you're passionate about facilitating change and you have gifts or ideas you'd like to share, come join us, host a show, or be a guest. Or connect us to an amazing speaker or teacher whose message is too good to miss. There's always room for courageous, knowledgeable changemakers, inspired artists, and new ideas. Let us know you're interested. Send an email to info at fireflywillows.com. We're Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E, helping you find and shine your inner light. Our next guest on the Amethyst Oracle has been a major player in the metaphysical and spiritual community since just before the creation of the known universe. Though his specific identity changes in reflection of the various cultures of the world, he is largely depicted in many religions and myths to be a supernatural entity that is the personification of evil and the enemy of all humankind. His works are many and varied, but he can often be found at the heart of any major immoral or amoral event in world history. He has also claimed credit for inspiring numerous arts and political movements that challenged authority, freed humanity from limited thinking, or made a significant amount of money. He is known variously as Ariman, the Dark Lord, Derleipaftige, Diabolus, Iblis, the Father of Lies, Lucifer the Morning Star, Leviathan, Mephistopheles, the Prince of Darkness, 
Old Scratch, The Black Man at the Crossroads, and Satan. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to the star of the 15th trump of the major arcana, The Devil. So thank you for joining us today, uh, Satan. It's my pleasure to be here. Would, uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately. Well, I'm glad you asked. I've been working on this project in the Middle East lately. Perhaps you've heard of it. Maim, destruction, mayhem, that's all me. Right, that's your work. I, I was wondering, you know, is this something you've been building towards? Or is this, are you being more intuitive about the process? or? Well, I mean, I am the devil. It's what I do. So now, tell me, Lucifer, back in the 1500s, the tarot was called the Devil's Picture Book. Now, does that mean that you had a hand in its creation? I get blamed for just about everything, don't I? No, I didn't actually have anything to do with the creation of the tarot. I was deeply involved in one crusade or another at the time. That thing about the Devil's Picture Book was probably a marketing campaign to convince the more illicit tablets in Italy to carry them. Now the Ouija board, that's all me. So, oh, you know, are you excited about the new movie coming out with Ouija? Were you, a con- were you paid to, as a consultant for that one, or...? Not directly. I'm looking forward to the opening night, however. Big plans. Big plans. <laughs> Now, it's interesting that you don't appear in the first couple of tarot decks that came out. There's, there's no sign of you in the Visconti Sforza, for example. Um, what got them to add you into the deck? It was marketing. Sex sells. I mean, in the first deck, you have all these mopey-looking church people. Once they started putting me in the deck, it became a big seller in Marseille. I just adore the French, don't you? Especially that Marquis de Sarchat. Throws the best parties. Well, and of course, once you started getting included in the decks, your popularity just soared. You are renowned, let us say, infamous, one might even say. And I'm actually surprised that you don't have an endorsement deal playing off of that notoriety, you know, whips, chains, cuffs, etc. I mean, what gives? Or are you like Apple? Are you planning some secret big product announcement and launch that we should be anticipating? Well, I've been very involved in Chick-fil-A lately. Really, I found that fast food is really where it's all about. Whips and chains, that was entertaining for a while. But food with no nutritional value, that's where I'm at these days. So, let's talk about the big T. Temptation, how do you do it? It's a gift, really. It's just a gift. It's what I do. I'm the devil. Now, some people point out that uh, you have a card in the tarot deck, but the Holy Trinity does not. There's no Holy Spirit. There's no JC. So why do you think that is? Well, these cards are often used in a party atmosphere, and with the exception of that turning water into wine gig you've got going on, the Holy Trinity, not very entertaining at parties. Me, on the other hand... That's who you want to invite. I bring the party with me. Let's get it started. Excellent. Now, in the Book of Thoth, Alistair Crowley says, and I quote, Your card represents Pan Pan Generator, the all-begetter. It is the tree of life as seen against the background of the exquisitely tenuous complex 
and fantastic forms of madness, the divine madness of spring, already foreseen in the meditative madness of winter, for the sun turns northwards on entering this sign. And what, what, what do you think of that? I, I don't know. I, I Honestly, he's a lovely person. I had him over for tea and beatings just the other afternoon, but I have no idea what the hell he is talking about. That guy is crazy. All that cocaine, you know. <laughs> it's a hell of a drug, I'm told. Now, it, it, and I, I have to say that speaking of being entertaining, it seems you've really kind of stepped into the entertainment world and you've been amassing your army and your your bank account of late over the past few years with things like the Kardashians, Justin Bieber, and, well, dubstep, let us say. Uh, so I, I'm wondering, what's next for the devil? What, what's on the agenda coming up in the f- next few years for you? Well, I'm sure you're familiar with one of my larger projects, Twilight. No, we are going to be having some more sequels coming out. Just wait. I, I'm expecting some Harry Potter crossovers. Just wait. <laughs> Sounds like some incredible fan fiction opportunities waiting to happen. Now, so back back to the tarot. <laughs> um, so many decks have depicted you over the years uh, uh, one way or another. I'm wondering, uh, who do you think really got it right? Well, I do appear in many forms. Black Dog. Rooster. I like them all. I like them all. Except for that Robin Wood one. Oh, you didn't like the Robin Now, what? that was the one that equated you with materialism and had people chained to a money box. What, what didn't you like about that? Well, I mean, money's all well and good, isn't it? But where's the passion? Where's the true evil? I don't know. It just seems a little passe. Um, now, how do you feel about how you're depicted in the new decks by uh, Doreen Virtue, the gentle, light-based tarot decks that she's creating? Um, well, actually, my lawyers, and by the way, all lawyers are my lawyers, have advised me not to talk about this until the suit is finished. Well, and speaking of depictions, you know, I think that we're well known, uh, that many people know you very well for the depictions of your horns, tail, pitchfork, uh, any plans for maybe going on a makeover show or, or a rebrand of some sort that that image maybe is getting a little stale? Well, I have been talking to Madonna recently about this, and so we do have some plans coming up for 2016. I can't say more, but um, watch for that. Um, I also have a project coming up with Project Runway. And what you're saying there is that you are not Madonna? My lawyers have advised me not to talk about this until the suit is finished. I guess once one thinks about it, I mean, she's had a bunch of different looks over the ages, but you've had thousands of different appearances in tarot decks, so maybe you're the real queen of uh, reinvention. Well, flattery will get you everywhere, Charlie. May I call you Charlie? You should. Let's see. Uh, now, we always ask our guests to pick a uh, tarot card, to share a message with the queer community about how to live more authentically. Um, so would you pull a card for us from your personal tarot deck? Certainly. I'd be happy to, Charlie. Wait, now, are, are all the cards in that deck the devil? Well, of course. Oh, oh okay. All right. Okay, let's go with it. What, what <laughs> other card does the devil need? <laughs> so, um... What, what message would you like to share based on the devil card for the queer community? For the queer community, I have chosen the devil card from the Cosmic Tribe Tarot, lovingly called the Full Frontal Tarot. Here you go, queer community. Figure it out. 
and, and, and I have one one last question for you, Devil, if I may. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, we often hear the phrase "Beware the devil in disguise," but I'm curious. Who or what is behind the mask? Who is the real devil? Ah, I'm very glad you asked me that. Take a look in the mirror, my friend, and there the devil you will see staring back at you. Well, thank you so much for taking uh, your time out of perdition to join us. Um, We really look forward to your upcoming workshop in Las Vegas. So um, thank you. Really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. And Charlie, I will see you soon. Oh, well, well, thank you. Uh, Wait, what? Divination with a Queer Twist with hosts High C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. And we are back. So, Charlie, are you still with me? I'm concerned there with with that, that, that last little, you know snuck-in comment that the devil had to throw in right I'm just not sure what he was referring to. I, well, all I can say is I'm glad he said he was seeing you soon. <laughs> Join mm. us here next month for the Amethyst Historical, hosted by High C and High C alone. <laughs> 
Sorry. You're a real cut up, I see. You're a real yeah, cut up. <laughs> so we've reached that portion of the show where people who are listening have a chance to get a reading live right here on the air with us. Now, that makes me shiver with anticipation, I can tell you. I can only imagine how they must be feeling at this moment. Um, and we have had a couple of people that have been in the queue and waiting ever so patiently for a while, hopefully enjoying the rest of the show while doing so. So I think that we might just go ahead and jump over to them since they have been ever so patient. So So we're going to go to our first caller. And now here's the thing. Both of the people waiting in the queue are calling from area code 530. So if the first three numbers of your phone number are 816, then we are talking to you right now, live at this moment. Are you there, caller? From area code 530-816? Hello, caller? Well, perhaps not. Then let's see if perhaps their neighbor in the 530 might be around. Uh, so, hello. Are you, hello. Are you there? Are you calling from area code five three zero? Yes. Actually, we're both sitting here. And what's your name and where are you calling from? My name's Donna. I'm from Westwood, California. You're at the caller with Rebecca. She's from Westwood, also. Oh, so you know the other caller, do you? <laughs> yes, she's my daughter. Except her phone won't work at the moment to talk. So, oh. you're on speakerphone well, then, right now. Well, that's okay. Well, we can we could do a reading for you, and then if she wants a reading, you can just hand the phone off to her. Yeah, All right, that's fine. She's waited a long time for you. All right. Um, so what is it that we could look at for you before we look at something for her? Um, I, I don't really know specifically, just whatever seems to be important at the moment. It seems like I um, do a lot of time of just sitting around standstill doing nothing but I feel like there's more things I should be doing or could be doing. Okay. Let's take a look. Let's see here. <sighs> so, sorry, shuffling, shuffling, shuffling. All right. One more shuffle for good measure. Okay, looking at this time of inaction and seeing what we can see about that, so... All right. Okay. Okay. All right. The good news is there is change coming soon. Uh, the um, In the past, we have the Six of Wands, which is a card of... So, in the past, there was movement. That's, uh, the Six of Wands is about moving forward and being on your path. So, it looks like there was a time not too long ago that you really felt like you were moving forward, you're making the strides, and that has ended. You're now in uh, the card representing where you are right now is the the Prince of Earth, uh, the Prince of Pentacles, and this is about much... It, of the princes, the princes are considered like the knights, they're like the fast-moving uh, characters in the tarot, and this is the slowest of them, so that kind of is a confirmation about what you were saying. Um, but right. so the Prince of Earth, but it's more about for him, it's, I don't see this as you being stuck. I see this as you 
not making any moves that would be damaging. The Prince of Pentacles is on the right path, but it's a slow-moving path. Um, so that might still be frustrating at the moment uh, just to feel that, especially when it's a tra- it's a change from how things were before. But immediately in your future, uh, in the next couple of months, you have the Wheel of Fortune, which is an absolute shift in sort of the wavelength of your life. And the Wheel of Fortune is when things luck changes for us, if, if you believe in luck, or the, 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 the forces sort of of our lives are altered and we begin a new cycle. So it looks like you're in a state, okay, well, the way I'm looking at it, looking at this reading, you're, and there's one last card I'll get to in a second, um, you're between sort of these major life cycles going on. You, you Something has ended, something new is beginning, and it looks like um, that something new beginning is, is sort of more sort of generalized all around rather than being like like your whole life kind of feeling like it's opening up. And the thing for you to do right now, it's interesting. So you had the Prince of Earth uh, as the, your your current situation. The thing to do right now is the Princess of Earth, which is the the, the Princess of Pentacles, which is um, your actions right now are creating the seed of what this next cycle is, is about. So it's not that this cycle is a time of complete just inactivity. It, this is a time for you to get yourself in order for you to do a lot uh, in, in the upcoming months. So there is a need for freeing yourself from some things that are hanging on in your life that are limiting you from maybe some relationships in your life that are draining you does that make sense does that yes very much so okay so it just looks like because of your attention being on these other things and these other situations um it was it was the time i'm not this is not me making a judgment that was just what that cycle was about you attending to others right um but now it's about you getting getting ready to begin something big for yourself and um a couple of things. The, the Princess of, of of Earth being there and you actually mentioning you don't actually have a particular question, kind of, it suggests you're not really sure what next, what to do next, what should you be working exactly. on next. And so that that means, just because we also have the Wheel of Fortune there, it's sort of very nonspecific and that's, that's not very helpful from me, so I'm going to try and make that a little bit more helpful. I would say that your physical resources um Need your your attention right now and your uh, so money. Um, need to to sort of get that organized right now right. and make sure that it's going towards your health and your sustainability. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I feel like I'm being kind of vague. So what I'd say is, um, be something is going to start probably at the end of the winter, at the beginning of the new year for you. And in order for that to go well and to be what you need it to be, you can't begin it with hanging on to anything from your past that you feel done with. So right. that's my advice. And I turn okay. it over to High C. All right. Well, so I, too, pulled three cards. And uh, all three cards came up reversed, which means they all three came up upside down. Um, The first card was the Sun card reversed. The second card was the Ace of Wands reversed. 
And the third card is the Wheel of Fortune reversed. Now, that third card is the same as Charlie's third card. So it's calling right. extra special attention <laughs> to that card. Um, right. When I saw these three cards come up, my first thought was, you're sitting on a powder keg of potential. But yes. a powder keg is nothing but a keg full of dust and powder unless there is actually something to ignite it. And you have to be the one that the reversals here are pointing back to you. So it says you have to be the one that's willing to ignite that potential so that it can start to be unleashed and become something. Um, Now, the the in terms of the deck that I'm using here, which is the Crow's Magic deck, the Ace of Wands, uh, they're associated with different signs, but there's a, a theme that comes up because both the Ace of Wands and the Wheel card, which are the Ace of Wands is in the present, the Wheel is in the future, both of those cards have an association to Sagittarius. So one thing that that would say is that we need you to focus on the Sagittarius time period as when you want to start igniting that powder keg of potential. So Sagittarius is November 20th to December 20th. And so that think of beginning of December is when you really want to start doing something, taking action on something, making something happen, getting the wheel spinning, not waiting for the wheel to spin for you, but getting it spinning yourself. It'll start to pick up its own momentum, but you have to be the initiating force. Now, the the Sun card, the Ace of Wands, and the Wheel card here all are also associated with Leo. But the fact that these are reversed would tell me if you haven't done anything about taking action or getting things moving and getting things started by Leo, which would be next August roughly, then the reversals are like saying you're going to have missed the opportunity, you're going to have squandered the potential, or it's going to be a very diluted effect. So if we have a powder keg, it's going to explode. If we wait until after next August to even start doing anything, then all we're going to get is like a little firecracker pop rather than a full right. explosion of that potential. So this is kind of trying to really push you to become the one who motivates and initiates yourself rather than looking to or waiting for something outside of you to get that going and to really start making plans and make, going back to what Charlie was saying, maybe start Focusing and channeling those resources towards a December start period, an initiation point of December to to really kick it off. And and that also plays out astrologically because uh, late November and into December, we have the Pluto-Uranus square that hits one of its key points um, in its like four, four and a half year cycle. And that's all about um, personal power. So it's taking back the power and and saying, I'm going to make something happen or I'm going to change my world rather than waiting for it to change for me. It's also sometimes about radical change, radical upheaval. So there's also things that are going to suddenly happen or will unexpectedly create upheaval or change. And we want you to be a part of that process rather than feel like it's just blowing up in your face. So that's what I would say here is there's this amazing potential that's kind of waiting to be unleashed. It's up to you to unleash it, and we want to see that unleashing or that initiation or the lighting of the fuse in December. And if you wait and keep finding reasons to put it off and you go past August of next year, you're basically going to get nothing more than a little firecracker pop. Right. Okay. So that's what I would have to say to that. Any right. questions for Charlie or myself about that? Um, 
I'll write the second. If I think of them, I'll get to you, though. Cool. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that's fine. All right. Shall we move and to your daughter? Is your is your yes, daughter there? You can just hand the phone off yeah. to her. There you go. All right. Hello? Hello, daughter. I'm going to assume that's not your name, though perhaps it is. <laughs> uh, what, what's your name? My name is Becky. All right. Welcome, Becky. So what is it you'd like us to look at for you? Um, I guess just uh, relationships in general and uh, guidance. Um, I'm not knowing whether to go up or down, left or right. Uh, my whole world's crumbling, it feels like. So I guess just general guidance. Well, why don't we, since you asked two things there, why don't we have Charlie look at the love life situation and I'll look at the general guidance situation. Okay. Sure. Okay, let's take a look. All right, we have the same spread of four cards. Cards, sort of fate and free will. So a lot of fate and a little bit of free will. All right, uh, last card. Okay. Okay, what have we? Shit. Okay. Got it. Um, love is going to be a challenge right now. Uh, the past you, um, looks like it was much more stable in love. Um, the queen of, uh, of Earth, uh, most of the court of Earth has appeared tonight. Uh, the queen of Earth was in your past, which is feeling at, at home, at peace, um, feeling sort of right. Um that has ended. Uh, feeling, you're probably feeling, I don't know. My Looking at the spread, it looks like you're feeling cut off um, in the love department. You have the six of swords in your presence, which represents leaving something behind that is um, unhealthy. And it looks, the, the six of swords points being in this position in a love spread suggests to me that um, a past love was a real problem for you and it came to an end and it is very good that you're out of that situation. Am I off base or is that something you're going through at this at the present? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So the six of six of swords is in the present and your future card for love is the tower and the tower is not a gentle card um and i'm going to give you some advice about how to deal with that in a moment um the tower is about major upheaval and challenging our it, it suggests that the past relationship is not completely over it's not completely finished but it's going there are elements of it that are lingering in your life that are that are hanging on to it. and there's emotional for this to be the tower, I feel it's, it's extreme as uh, emotional trauma from that re- uh, relationship that's affecting your ability to enter into healthy relationships. So the card representing what to do right now at this time in your life is the Seven of Wands. So the Seven of Wands is a card of getting higher ground. Um, it's a card of breaking contact with uh, any people that would keep you kind of enmeshed in the situation or trapped in, or, 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 or down or try to pull you back. And 
it represents transformation from you and for you and being able to enter into a healthy new relationship um, is going to come from being able to get some distance from that. You might consider seeing um, perhaps a therapist, someone who can help you get some perspective, but you need some space from from the old right now. The seven of wands also represents uh, putting yourself uh, first. The Sometimes the seven of wands is, is depicted as um, one person who feels like everyone else is against them um, and feeling trapped by that. So for the next couple of months, love life, I don't think entering into anything new should be the focus. I think there's too much going, too much healing needed right now, um, and I would take the holidays to get free from that and to have some alone time and get to spend some time with yourself at the moment. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes total sense. Okay, yeah, because I think if anything, any dealings with past people are going to drag you into a place that's very unhealthy, and it's important for you to be able to process that. So um, I would not enter into any um, relationships uh, for the next little while. That tower card represents that um, anything that's new would end up being a rebound. It would just be okay. something unhealthy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I wish I had better news, but sometimes no. bad news is what we need to get away from yeah. something. What a long And I see. Do you want to give the general guidance? Uh, sure. So there's there's a lot that's going to kind of echo and reiterate what Charlie's been talking about, even though that was focused on a particular area. I think that that's um, majorly impacting your overall sense of life, uh, of self identity, and self worth. Um, the you know the first card that comes up here is the six of wands reversed. And that card, when it reverses, you know, can say we have gotten too stuck in defining ourselves by what we perceive to be past failures. So we only see it as how I failed or how I lost rather than seeing it as I tried. But even though it didn't work out, let us not minimize the fact that at least we gave it a go. And also to not see it as I was a failure versus what can I learn from that so that I can move forward in a more successful way. Following that is the Emperor card. And the Emperor here is associated with Aries. So this is about, and I'm just going to go ahead and say that that card is followed by the Nine of Pentacles. So both of those cards are about coming into our own as ourselves, standing firmly and strongly and boldly in the world as an independent, self-sufficient being that is not dependent on someone else for their self-identity or for their success or for their happiness and also does not get lost in the shadows of somebody else because that would, for me, reiterate the idea of not necessarily getting into 
new relationships at the moment because we want you to be able to fully step out into the world and say, this is me and I'm not going to lose myself or compromise myself or undervalue who I am and what I have to offer because I think that somehow I need to be attached to somebody else in order to be seen as successful or in order to be happy or whatever it is that we have built around that idea of relationships and being in relationships. Just because a relationship failed doesn't mean you're a failure, and it doesn't mean that future relationships are going to fail. The nice thing is that the Nine of Pentacles is associated with Virgo. So with that being kind of the future card, then it, Virgo is the, well, Virgo is, is the sign. It's associated with Venus, but it has to do with uh, love and that kind of thing. So it shows that there is real love because pentacles is earth. So it's something tangible, something real, something sustainable. There is real love in your future, but it's only going to come about in a healthy way because you enter into it sure of who you are and not compromising or undervaluing who you are and looking to someone else to validate your worth or to to make you feel as if you have something valuable to offer. You do regardless of whether you're with somebody or not. Um, so the Emperor card especially is about stability and ownership and responsibility. So the, th the key thing to focus on right now, and the Emperor card is associated with Aries, and Aries is all about me. It's like the only child sign, or the sign of the only child. Um, you know, so right now is you time not you and something or someone else. And the emperor is about taking ownership for what you want and what has happened, accepting responsibility, but then doing what you need to do in order to start building a foundation and stabilizing your situation for yourself so that you can then move forward feeling more confident and strong and that you have the resources that you need. The Nine of Pentacles being there and followed by the emperor card would say, I'm actually not overly concerned about you in a material sense, being able to snap back out of this or to come to a place that is more materially stable and secure for you. But you have to start making that the focus and priority and start putting yourself first so that that is what you are working towards establishing rather than getting distracted. If you wanted to, when you said you didn't know whether to go you know, whether to look up or down or right or left or whatever. The Emperor card is, to me, actually, the Emperor card is a very earthy card, and the Nine of Pentacles is a very earthy card. Earth is often associated with north. Um, so, one, it says to look up, but it also says to just keep looking forward. Stop looking backwards, like Charlie was talking about. We need to move on and not look back to the past and keep getting defined by what's happened there. And... Don't get distracted by what's on the sides. Just focus forward, focus on the steps in front of you, and just move that direction. Don't worry about what's going on to the left and to the right. Don't worry about what happened in the past behind you. Just start focusing forward. Um, the quintessence card, where we add up the numbers for this to get a card, the quintessence for these would actually be 19, which is the sun card. So that's a very optimistic and hopeful card. So there's no reason to give in to pessimism about the future. There's no reason to give up. Um, and really be careful about not letting feelings of depression or failure uh, get the better of you. 
if if you're feeling overwhelmed by those kind of feelings, then the Emperor card says, take responsibility for asking for or finding the assistance you need to move through that dark period so that you have someone or something that is pointing you towards the end of the tunnel where there is light. Uh, but overall, this is actually a very optimistic, hopeful set of cards, especially looking forward, starting with the Emperor in the present and the Nine of Pentacles in the future. So there's no reason for you to give up. There's no reason for you to think that you failed and now you're never going to be able to be successful. It was just a blip on the radar and it's time to focus forward, keep your attention there and start taking steps in front of you. If you want to ask about what direction to go, step forward. What 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 is when you hear that? What does forward mean to you? I don't. Uh, I don't know what forward means at this point. Other than I don't know. I just I don't know. Up, well, if you, if, if you if you closed your eyes and you envisioned yourself moving forward, or we could say making progress in your life in the next three months. What would that mean? What would progress, what would something moving you forward look like? Stable. I guess um, um, it would be the foundation part of of my life, you know, being able to stand somewhere without feeling like the whole world's moving underneath me. And what would help to start creating that foundation, that feeling of security and stability? I don't know. I think it will that's me moving, but I don't know if that's the Well, are, are, you in a are you in a position to move right now? I don't know, but I, at this point, I don't have a choice. I got in, I'm, I'm at the point of eviction, so I have to move. All right. So, so I don't know whether to stay where I'm at or move or somewhere farther well, away or... Well, no, the, the fact that the Emperor and the Nine of Pentacles are here, there's a lot here about not not moving far. <laughs> um, so I, I wouldn't look at moving a long distance or, or going someplace far away. I would see it more as either staying local or staying where you have some support around you uh, and, and accessible to you rather than being in a foreign place or someplace where you don't know anyone or that kind of thing. Okay. Uh, if you wanted to look very literally, you know, when I said that pentacles is earth and earth is often associated with north, then there may be something related to north as to where to start looking to move to. And whether that means north of where you are now, or it could actually literally be like a street that is north something. Um, and, and north doesn't mean it has to be a long ways away. It just means it would be north of where you were or... You know, if you lived in yeah. a city, like, go ahead. I uh, just, to the north, um, it just kind of struck me as weird. Um, that's where my sister lives, the street my sister lives on, in, 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 in a town about 20 miles from here. North. Ah. It was just north here. So it, it may be worth looking there or in that direction or in that area. For something, because because this would also indicate that you would also be likely to be able to like find a job uh, as well. I mean, the the emperor and the nine of pentacles are really about 
having all of the resources that we need and being on solid ground. So, and, and right. Pentacles and Earth is about money, it's about work, it's about right. our environment. So there's a lot here that says that we're not overly concerned about you not being able to find those things. That Six of Wands reverse is really the key as to whether, A, you are going to define yourself by what you perceive to be failure. So you feel you go into things already assuming it's not going to work out, which energetically sets it up to not work out. And Six of Wands reverse can also be fear of success. And so it says, this, this is what I want, but if I get it, I don't know that I'll be up to it. Or if I get it, what happens if I'm not as qualified as I thought I was, or I'm not as creative as I thought I was, or I'm not as ready as I told them I was? And you, if you can let go of that mindset and that way of seeing yourself and say, I can be successful, and even though there may be challenges, which would go to the Seven of Wands that Charlie had, which says, I'm up to the challenge and I have the courage to face the challenges and overcome them rather than to feel defeated by them, then you're going to be perfectly fine, especially with this Emperor and Nine of Pentacles cards coming up here as you as we're looking forward. Okay. So, my only other question, I guess, would be how do I recognize the opportunity? How do I recognize the time to, like, to know that I'm ready to do whatever, you know, I mean, as far as moving and stuff. Well, I look at this and say that the time is now. You're ready now. The fact that the Emperor card is in the present says that you're ready if you just take ownership and responsibility for making it happen. Because it's like the Emperor card says your kingdom is at your feet and it's of your own making. So get out there and start making your kingdom the way you want it to be rather than waiting or thinking you need something else, which just gives time for somebody else to come in and invade your kingdom. Right. Okay. Just to double click on that, the uh, Six of Swords being in your present in the other reading would, that's the movement card, the the leaving something card. So, yeah, that was in your present, so. Yeah, Six six of Swords is about, literally is a card of moving or travel. Okay. And Uh for me, Six of of Swords is... um, would indicate six weeks. So it would say that we want to see this movement happening within six weeks. Right, right, okay. Okay. And that it may only take that amount of time as well. So so from when you start putting this in motion, from when you start looking for someplace to live or whatever, that would also indicate that it may take about six weeks for it all to fall into place. But that actually isn't that much time if you just get started now. So, so hopefully that's helped a little bit. It's been very helpful. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, thank you. You are more than welcome. Thanks for calling in and for both of you for being patient and hopefully you enjoyed the rest of the show. It was great. Excellent. So, enjoy your evening. Thank you. Well, Charlie, I hey. do believe that that has perhaps brought us to the close of yet another episode of the Amethyst Oracle, Divination was, with a Queer Twist. Uh, I want to send a uh, big thanks to uh, Lon, uh, Melody Cat, for 
being on the show. It was wonderful to hear from him and could listen to him talk forever, uh, his perspective on things. And um, a somewhat half-hearted thanks to the devil for his cryptic <laughs> warnings that he might have given him. I'm really glad oh, they came I, I on the show. Oh, I consider that a full thank you to the devil. Oh, yeah, yeah. So really thanks, about devil. <laughs> I'm just going to go stock up on holy water and put some crosses and crucifixes around my apartment and, uh, you know, stock up on some wafers. <laughs> I hear they have gluten-free ones. So um, but, uh, I wish everyone a safe and insane Halloween. And uh, be sure to do a tarot reading on Halloween. They're guaranteed to come true. And um, just speaking of Long, because I don't know that we really gave out some specific ways to find him, uh, probably the easiest way is to just go to facebook.com slash Lon Milo, L-O-N-M-I-L-O. And uh, you can find him on there. That's his uh, fan page on Facebook. Um, and you can find out more information about him, see when he's going to be appearing, as well as see the link for going and watching his videos in the songwriting contest to help him stay up there at number one and mm. and, and win. 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 <laughs> yeah. We're not going to uh, give out a website or a Facebook page for the devil because, you know, he can do his own marketing. Right <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been a real slice, I see. I'll talk to you very soon, I hope. Hopefully it's from this side of the veil. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> Well, if not, then I suppose you might be our interview with death next. That's right, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> be our correspondent see. on the scene. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you, you can be the, the go between the live from hell. <laughs> <laughs> so. and, right. and just to remind people that Amethyst Oracle airs on the second Tuesday of every month, so our next show will be on November 11th. And that is a Tuesday, of course, 8 p.m. Pacific time. And just a reminder that our next show in November, we will be having a little interview with Death to complement the one we had with the devil. So join us to hear what she has to say. And until next time, farewell. Amethyst the Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lusney. Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m.